this, if you look around our culture, it seems like we are just obsessed with the idea of getting better. We want everything to be better. So our feeds, our social feeds are full of ads, ways that you and I can get better, right? Whether it's your diet or whether it's an exercise program or your grammar or whatever it is, we want to get better. Uh, If you look around at products that are sold, they're always marketing to us about how it can be better. Like it's got 50% more gluten. Maybe that's not a thing they say, but, but you get the point. It's new and improved, it's exciting. We want you to buy this thing because it's now better. And it kind of works for everything, honestly. I, I can prove it to you. You know, if I've got $5, $50 is better. Right, like that's, that's better, that, that's a better thing, I want that. The United States is good, Texas is better. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> okay, all right, that's good preaching right there. Uh, Rudy's barbecue is good, but Franklin's barbecue is better. Uh, it's a little iffy on that one, a little iffy on that. All right, Salt Lake's better, or, you know, Black's is better, whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay, fine. Little di- okay, we're not in agreement on that one. Uh, tortilla, tortilla chips are good, with queso is better. By the way, that works with all food groups. Just put queso on it and it's always better. Um, In-N-Out is good. Whataburger is better. <laughs> I was curious about that one. I don't know. Uh, it works in media. Star Trek is good. Star Wars is better. Uh, so, you know, actually, Brian, it's not because... Okay, whatever. It's, uh, it's fine. It just... Android is good. Apple is better. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. All right, that, I, knew, I, knew that, I knew that one wasn't going to go. It works in sports. It works in sports. Uh, LeBron is good. Jordan's better. Yeah. All the old people said, yeah. All the young people were like, what? Uh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is good. Peyton Manning, he doesn't play football anymore. Um, it works at home uh, for a big family. One car is good. Two cars is better. Amen, all right. One wife is good, two wives, that's bad. That's bad. It's not appropriate. Don't even, it's not good. It's not good. There are things that are better. And when Jesus says something is better, I think that we should pay attention to that. And so we're gonna talk about that today. We're in the middle of these 40 days to Easter. We're talking about prayer and consecration. We are on a journey towards Resurrection Sunday where we're gonna look back over these 40 days and we're gonna say, because of the resurrection of Jesus, I was, I was messed up, I was a sinner, I was lost, and now, because of Jesus and his resurrection, I am found, I am delivered, I am redeemed. We're gonna be able to say that together after these 40 days, and I'm so excited about that. On Easter Sunday, it's really important. We're gonna kind of change things up. We got three services to make room for people, eight o'clock, 9.30 and 11.30. And so make sure you do go on and save your spot. We wanna make sure we've got room for everybody. And it really helps out if you go online and save your spot, let us know that you're coming on Easter Sunday. So we're in the 40 days. We're a little over halfway through, I think. And if you haven't joined in or if you got a little tripped up or you, you kind of stopped, you kind of lost your way a little bit, it's not too late. Let's say yes again. Let's jump in again and come with us. 
We want you to think about three things. We want you to think about, think about uh, going up. We want you to think about praying three times a day. At the end of the day, that's all we're asking. Pray three times a day. Get it in you. Get prayer into you. Five minutes is fine. Less is fine if you can manage it. Just pray three times a day and get a routine of prayer, a lifestyle of prayer. And join us at 6.30 a.m. on Zoom. People, I know you think it's dumb. I know you think it's lame, but it's been great. And the Spirit of God has met us, and it's been powerful. And so you can jump on tomorrow morning. All the stuff's on the website. Go there and join us tomorrow at 6.30 a.m. We want you to think in. We want you to fast with us. Pick a food. Pick a meal. Pick a day. Pick a few days. Uh, I think the best thing is to fast some food because that's where you really kind of feel it. You get hungry. And I think it's good for us to fast something media too because we're so inundated with all the media in our lives. So I think picking one of those things is great. We want you to think out. We want you to go and prayer walk your neighborhood. Get out and pray with and for other people. So don't miss out on the journey. Everybody, we're so expectant for the joy of Easter Sunday. It's gonna be amazing. But if you're like me, you're thinking, oh, Brent, that's a lot of stuff. Like, that's a lot to do, and I don't know if I can do all that. And the truth is, Brent, I'm just not that great at praying. Like, everybody else has all these words. They could just pray. Like, I went to the Zoom thing, and people are just, they're so eloquent, and at 6.30 in the morning, they're just praying so well. Other people have, like, They've got all the words from the Bible. Oh, Lord, I pray that thou wouldst bless me, whosoever I shall meet. They know how to pray like that. I don't have all the prayer language. I don't, I don't know how to do that. I run out of things to say. Like I pray and I pray and I pray and I list everything out and I pray everything that I could possibly think of. And then I look at my watch and it's been two minutes and 17 seconds. I run out. I just don't know what to say. I feel like I never know what to pray. I close my eyes, I fold my hands, and I, nothing. I got nothing. I don't know how to do it. And I get it. Like, there are real reasons why we don't know what we should pray for. Uh, For one thing, I think we can't see into the future, right? I feel like I don't know what's best for me. I'm not sure what I should do. I don't know how things are going to turn out an hour from now or a year from now. I mean, what, if, what happens if I end up praying to be rescued from something that actually could have been good for me? What if I pray something that I, I, I might want that actually turns out to be bad for me? You know, like a kid asking for too much ice cream. He wants it, but then he gets it, and then it's bad. Well, I don't know what to pray for. By the way, God's a good father. You don't actually have to worry about that kind of stuff. <laughs> Secondly, I think we're not convinced that prayer really matters. And we're not convinced that when we pray, it actually matters. It actually moves something. Like, is God really listening to me? Does he really care about what I'm saying? Isn't God just gonna do what he wants anyway? Actually, the reality is no. You have the opportunity to partner with what God wants to do in the earth and bend reality around his will. When you pray, God listens and he does stuff. But we're not sure that we really buy it. So I just don't know what to say. So if that describes you, oh man, I got good news for you today. Because Romans 8, verse 26 to 27, here's what it says. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Paul is saying here, we're human, we're weak, or another way to say it is we're just limited. 
Like, I'm just, I don't know. I'm not sure. We're just limited. And God, is what in this chapter here, it's called Life in the Spirit. In this passage, God's, he says that God is working and moving. He's taking his good world somewhere. He's putting people and the world to right. But until that thing is complete, out here, man, times are tough. The streets are rough. Like, it's difficult out here, and we are limited. So we don't know how to pray effectively. So we don't know what to pray. But I want you to hear today, the Holy Spirit does. And he will pray through you. And he always prays directly in accordance to the will of God. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you can partner with God to pray the will of God and praying what he wants. Now, everybody, this should freak you out a little bit. Like in a good way, you should be getting excited right about now. Right? What this means is, is that you can actually partner with him to see what he wants done in the world. So you don't have to be limited by your inability to pray. Most of us want what God wants in our lives. We're just not sure what that is or how we should ask. But the Spirit comes to our aid through wordless groans that says interceding on our behalf. Now, some interpreters believe that when Paul says this in Romans 8, that he's actually referring to speaking in tongues, right? Many of us are familiar with that idea. Other interpreters say that Paul, he's, well, he's talking about like the Spirit directing our hearts, directing us and kind of leading what's going on in our hearts and how to pray. Still, other interpreters, they think that Paul, he means audible, wordless groans as we kind of struggle in prayer. You know those prayers? You prayed those prayers. Like this prayer. I don't know what to do. The Spirit listens to that prayer. Thank you. Prayer's like, prayer's like, oof, oh. That prayer. Prayer's like, ah. That prayer, right? <laughs> Wordless groans. Now listen, in Romans 8, 20, I know that Paul actually, he means something, right? He intends a certain meaning here, but honestly, I've seen the Spirit do all three of those. <laughs> Praying in, the, in tongues, directing my heart as I, as I pray in English, uh, responding and praying through my groaning when I don't know exactly what to say. Whichever interpretation you choose, Paul's point is crystal clear. Praying in spirit, praying in the spirit is praying in the will of God. So our inability to pray as perfectly as we would like, or the fact that we just don't know what to pray, that doesn't have to hinder our lives. It doesn't have to hinder your effectiveness in prayer. You don't have to be limited by that anymore. We can actually pray God's perfect will for our lives as we pray in the spirit. You should be freaking out a little bit more. This is good news, everybody. However, for some of us, we're not exactly comfortable with it, right? Even now, you're a little bit like, oh, he's talking about that Holy Spirit thing. Right? We all have our own way of thinking about this, or we've heard, you know, we've heard the stories. I've heard those stories of those churches. Right? We've heard some of that, or, and we don't know what to think about God. We, we box him in. Like, isn't he like God's weird uncle or something? Like, I don't understand exactly what the Holy Spirit is. Isn't he like the third wheel of the Trinity? Like, I don't really understand what he does. Doesn't he show up in the Bible? But I heard that he doesn't really show up that much today. So people get nervous when you talk about this. I like God the Father. He's, he's great. He loves me. I love him a lot. I, I, I like Jesus the Son. Like, Jesus rules. Man, that guy, that guy rules. I love him. He's the one that died on the cross for me, rose again, saved me from my sins. But the Holy Spirit, eh, I'm not sure what to do with him. And it's worse if you grew up in the King James household, kind of like I did. And you grew up with the Holy Ghost. 
now we're like, oh, I don't even know what to do. Like, yeah. and some of you are loving it though. You're like, hey. Like, in some circles, in some circles, you might have even grown up with the Holy Ghost. Like, you don't even finish the ST, it's the Holy Ghost. Like, you, I, I always thought we were supposed to stay away from ghosts. Like, I don't like ghosts. I, so here's what you're doing. If I pray in the Holy Spirit, am I gonna be falling down and rolling around and laughing and stuff like that? Uh, no, probably not me. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna be wearing too much makeup or I'm not gonna be wearing enough makeup if I get in the, pray in the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I'm gonna be jumping over pews and swinging from the chandeliers. Or, and still others of you are like, come on, Brent, let's go. I'm ready. Like, let's throw it down. Show me the chandeliers. Give me the pews. Give me the makeup wipes. I'm ready to take it off or put it on or whatever I gotta do. I'm ready to go. Regardless of where you are on that spectrum, everybody, would you just give the Holy Spirit a blank slate again today, please? Like, just open up your heart again to the work of the Holy Spirit and the idea that he actually wants to pray through you, the will of God, and you can do that. Give him a blank slate, because here's the truth. You desperately, desperately need him. So let's take just a few moments and just meet him again, can we? I know many of you already know this, but just for those of you who are kind of joining in, let's just meet him. Here's a few of his characteristics that I just want you to know I think it's important. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a person, right? He's not a mystical force out there. There's no, like that's not what we're talking about. He's a person. He's not floating around. He's not a ghost. He's not a human, but he is a person, which means that you can relate to him personally. And actually throughout scripture, you find out a lot about him. Here's a few things. Romans 8, 27 says that he has a mind. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says that he has a will. Romans 15, 30 says that he has emotions that are described by his love for us. Hebrews 3, 7 says that he speaks. And 1 Timothy 4, 1 says that he speaks clearly. 1 Corinthians 2, 13 says he teaches. Ephesians 4, 30 says we can be, he can be grieved by us and on and on and on. What I'm saying is that you can relate to him. He's a person. You can actually have a relationship with him. Which leads us into the next thing, that the Holy Spirit actually isn't weird or scary. Some of you don't buy it yet. He's not weird or scary. Some of you are afraid he is. He's not. Here's the thing. He's not weird. People are weird. Okay, you know that. Most of our bad, quote unquote, experiences with the Holy Spirit have been with weird people. Not with him. So what happens is we end up basing our beliefs on the Holy Spirit based on some bad experiences we've had with other people rather than basing our experiences on what the scripture has to say or what God has himself to say about his spirit. Sure, when he interacts with people, sometimes it might look a little different, that's possible. But weirdness can't be the line for whether or not we're gonna engage with the Holy Spirit. That can't be it. So don't run away from the weird, don't be scared of that. But also, don't go searching it out. Don't look for it. <laughs> Instead, just look to know him. Look to experience him and, and build a relationship with him. And the third thing is, the Holy Spirit is, in fact, God, just in case it wasn't clear. Acts 5, 3 through 4, uh, Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to just human beings. You lied to God. You lied to the Holy Spirit. You lied to God. That's what he's saying. Matthew 28, 19. The Great Commission, therefore, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Spirit. 
2 Corinthians 13, 14 in the message, it's a beautiful benediction where it says, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. So just to get us all on the same page this morning, there are three crucial ideas that we gotta remember here that are complex, but we have to try to work in. God is three persons, Father, Son, Spirit. Each person is fully God. Father, Son, Spirit, and there is one God. (laughs) One God, three persons. Now, we don't have time to unpack all of that. You can wrestle on that over the week, and you can research that. And if you figure it all out perfectly, let us know, because theologians still debate about that. But, so I want you to think about, think about this just for a second. Those people who say, no, that's one of those churches. That's one of those churches. They, They believe in the Holy Spirit over there. No, that, I know that guy. No, that guy believes in the Holy Spirit. What are you really saying? Oh, no, 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 don't go to that church. That's one of those God churches. No, 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 no. That guy, that guy believes in God, okay? So it's a little silly. Remember, the Holy Spirit is God himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, if you're still a little nervous, here's what Jesus has to say. In John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. In other words, it's better. Jesus says, this is better. It's better for you that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper, the spirit, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'm gonna send him to you. Jesus himself says it's better. Now, other translations for that word, that word helper, this is the word for the spirit, Uh, They use words like comforter, they use words like counselor, they use words like advocate. It's this word paraclete. This Greek word paraclete, it's a a Latin transliteration, sorry, that's the Latin word. It's the Latin translation, transliteration, I should say, I'm gonna get it, of the Greek word parakletos. It's a fun word to know and say, everybody. Thank you, I told you it was fun. Comes from two words that mean close beside and to make a call. It's the term in the New Testament that's used for an attorney. It's the one who can make the right judgment call because they're close enough to the situation and the person. The Holy Spirit is the one that's close enough to you, close enough to your situation, right there with you, to be able to give you the right counsel and help you make the right judgment call in your life. That's the helper. And Jesus says, it's better if I leave and send him to you. Now imagine how the disciples actually hear this. Like you've been following Jesus, they've seen blind eyes see and deaf ears hear and dead people are raised. They've been with him, seen miracles and signs and wonders. They've listened to him teach. They've gotten private explanations about how the kingdom of God actually works. I mean, Jesus was a helper. Jesus was a comforter and counselor and he says, this is better. How is this better? Well, think about it for a second. If Jesus was still here today, how would that work? If Jesus was still here and you wanted to go see him, you'd have to jump on a plane? You have to find out where he is. Would he have a website? I don't know. He probably wouldn't have social media. You'd have to find out where he is, get his itinerary somehow. You'd have to travel over to where he is. You'd get there. There'd be massive crowds everywhere. You'd have to find your way. You'd have to wait for the crowd. You'd have to eat a huge line of people that want to meet him and shake his hand and get prayer and receive from him and all that stuff. Finally, after thousands of people, you'd finally get up to him after hours or even days. You'd finally meet him. And oh, man, would he love you. He would heal you. He would help you. He'd be there with you. It would be amazing. But here's the reality. That'd be really hard and take a long time. Jesus says, if I go, I'm going to send the helper and you can all have him. (laughs) All the time. That's better. It's better. 
All that stuff can happen all the time. So there's something called the New City Catechism. It comes out of New York and a guy named Tim Keller. And they've written this, this catechism. Was just a, it's a question and answer to help people understand their faith. And they have a beautiful encapsulation of what the Holy Spirit does. And I just wanted you to see it really quick. The Holy Spirit, here's how he, this is how he helps us. The Holy Spirit, he convicts us of our sin. You need that when you pray, by the way. He comforts us. You need that in prayer. He, he guides us. He's, he's that attorney. He's that, that advocate, that counselor. He helps us to know. He's close enough to the situation to know. He, he gives us spiritual gifts, and he gives us the desire to obey God. And he enables us to pray. And he helps us understand God's word. The Holy Spirit helps us pray, especially when we don't know how to pray. Now, we talked about Romans 8 and how and many interpreters believe that Paul's talking here about a prayer language. But I just want you to hear, if you don't have that so far, that's not the only way to pray in the Spirit. Now, that is the way. That's how I most often do it. But you can pray in the Holy Spirit under the guidance and direction. I just wonder how many times when we come to prayer, we do that. I come to prayer and I, I just pause and I just I ask the Spirit of God what he wants to do and where he's going and what he's doing. I know that I don't often do that. I know that what I do is I show up and I say, okay, God, here's my list. A, B, C, get to work, please. Instead of, Spirit of God, what are you doing today? Where do you wanna go? What do you wanna do? We can partner with him. So, so you can pray under that direction. But, but Paul may be talking about a prayer language here. The Holy Spirit prays in a heavenly language that you don't know through you. And of course, this comes from Acts chapter two, where there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the upper room. Here it is, let's read it briefly. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That's all the disciples, all the followers of Jesus. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And you're like, but Brent, this is kind of crazy. I mean, do I really need this? Like, do I really need to have that thing? Do I need that prayer language? Well, the reality is, no, you don't have to have it. You don't need it to follow Jesus. You don't need to have a prayer language to be able to go to heaven, right? Salvation comes by, by grace through faith in Jesus, right? That's Ephesians 2. The Spirit of God already lives in you when you are born again. That's John 3. So you don't have to speak in tongues to be a Christian, if you don't do that, you're not a second-class Christian, but you might not be experiencing all of the benefits that you can have as a follower of Jesus. So no, this isn't a have-to, this is a get-to. You have the opportunity to pray in the Holy Spirit with the Spirit of God, praying in accordance with the will of God. But here's the thing. Pastor Chris Hodges in Birmingham, Birmingham Alabama always says it like this, and I think it's so wise. He says, praying in the Spirit, it doesn't make me better than you. Praying in the Spirit doesn't mean that I'm an amazing Christian, and yeah, you're working on it. Praying in the Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It just makes me better than me. <laughs> it's benefits that help me. So for our remaining moments here, before we go back into worship, I just wanna talk about this personal prayer language really quick. And I wanna encourage you, blank slate it, think about it, open your heart up again, because here's what it is. Here's what a personal prayer language is, speaking in tongues. Number one, it's a gift from God. Here it is from, the, from Joel, verse, uh, Joel 2, 28. And afterwards... I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'm gonna pour out my spirit in those days. So there's the Old Testament. And in Mark 
Jesus says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will speak in new tongues. So Jesus says, those people who believe in my name, here's one of the things that they're gonna do in a list of things there in Mark 16. So this is God's idea, everybody. This is something that God wants. It's a gift that comes from God himself. Jesus says it here in Mark, and in Acts, we see it again. You're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So this is a gift that God wants to give. He said he was gonna give it and that we could all receive it. Second thing that a prayer language is, actually it builds up and strengthens you in your faith. This is an incredible thing. 1 Corinthians 14, four says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. You see that? Everyone who speaks in a tongue that edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so the church may be edified. Whew, there's a lot going on here. But Paul advocated for this personal prayer language versus this public, public practice of speaking in tongues. The church here in Corinth, they kind of gotten carried away, <laughs> carried away with tongues, and it kind of got wild and crazy, and the culture around them, actually, there was a lot of crazy kind of prayer that was happening. They sort of lost the purpose. It became a little self-centered and self-serving instead of being others-centered. Now, I know what you're saying is, see, I told you. You pray in tongues, things get weird. <laughs> it goes off course. Bad things happen. The key to dealing with an abusive situation that Paul's dealing with in 1 Corinthians 14, the key of dealing with abuse is not disuse, it's not stop it all, it's actually just using it appropriately, right? And Paul says himself, I, I, I wish all of you would speak in tongues. Jude 20 says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. It's a way that you actually strengthen, edify, build up the spirit inside of you. Number three, it helps us pray the will of God. We've talked about this already, but I just think it's worth saying again. I wanna read it again from Romans 8 in the message version. He says, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, waiting for salvation, waiting for God to bring all the world right, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us. Isn't that beautiful? Now, I've experienced this a few times in my life. Right? There have been moments in my life where I'm just, something is wrong. Have you ever felt that? Like something's not right with someone, but I don't know what it is, but I know something's going on. The spirit of God is doing something inside of me and I know I need to pray, but I have no idea what to pray for. So what do I do? I pray in my prayer language. I'm praying in accordance, the spirit of God, praying through me, praying the will of God. And I pray and I pray and pray and at some, at some moment, I feel a release. I feel a switch. I feel like something has happened. And I know, sometimes, sometimes I get the download, like I realize I have an interpretation, I know what's happened, sometimes I don't know, but I have a sense of peace where it's like, yep, I wanted to move, I wanted to use you to work through this, and so now it's happened. I can't totally explain it all, but I've experienced that several times over, and I can see that many of you have too. Praying in the Spirit, praying the will of God. And then it helps us order and surrender our lives. Romans eight thirteen, for if you live according to the flesh, you're gonna die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Galatians 5, 16. So I say, walk by the spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. If your flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what's contrary to my flesh, they're in conflict with each other so that you are, you are not to do whatever, so that you are not to do whatever you want. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're familiar with this idea. We all have a, we've got a body. We've got that physical part of us. We all have a soul that typically is referred to as your mind, your will, your emotions. And we have a spirit inside of us. This is a new creation inhabited by the Holy Spirit. And the question is, body, soul, and spirit, which one is in charge? It's all one piece. It's all you. It's all spiritual. But man, it, sometimes I know that my flesh gets a little strong and gets in charge. And sometimes my emotions are a little bit in charge. And praying in the spirit actually helps you put the spirit at the top. It helps you order and surrender your life to Jesus. When you're led by the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, it allows your spirit to rise. All right, now, before we go, before we go back into worship, just check this out. Scientists have actually studied this, speaking in tongues, and they published a report in 2006. You can look it up. One study, it looked at five African-American women who where let's just say they were used to praying in the spirit, praying in tongues on the daily, okay? <laughs> like they, they, they had a robust prayer life. And they, well, they, they brought them in, they hooked them up, and they had them sing first, and they watched all the activity in their frontal lobe, and it was all very active, all right? So they're singing, their frontal lobe is active. Then they had them speak in tongues while they studied them. And while they're praying in the spirit, they watched the frontal lobe, and all the activity in the frontal lobe decreased, it actually stopped. So the part of the brain that normally makes you feel in control essentially shut down. Uh-huh. You like that, don't you? And again, they had then people men, uh, meditate on something. Meditate on something that was sacred. Meditation. And when they meditated, the frontal lobe activity increased again. So here's the, the reality is something, speaking in tongues is different. Something different is happening. That part of you that is the control part of you, it begins to decrease. Don't be mad at me. Science said it. <laughs> the New York Times published a study of a thousand Christians from England, and it said that those who spoke in tongues regularly tended to be more emotionally and mentally stable. <laughs> I'm just saying, you do with it what you want. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. When science confirms what the Bible has said for a long time, I just like to listen. I just think it's interesting. So here it is in Ephesians 6, 18. You guys come on up. Ephesians 6, 18. Paul says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Y'all, why, why, don't, why don't we pray like this? Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. I've already confessed to you. When I come to prayer, I know. I know that there are lots of days when I don't think about it like that. I show up and I'm like, God, I'm struggling. I need this. I need that. You got to do this. You got to. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, it's, it's good. We're supposed to present our requests to God and all of that. But, but when Jesus taught his disciples, including us, how to pray, what did he do? He said, you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done as it is in heaven. And then he said, give us today our daily bread. Like there is an order. There's an orientation about it. And God's will is first. So when we come to prayer, instead of just, go, what we do is we jump to bread. God, give me bread. I need resources. I need help. And again, he likes that. But what if we decided, all of us in here today decided, instead, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up to prayer, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the Spirit what he wants to do. And then I'm going to start by asking him what he wants, where he's going. What he, and I'm gonna see if I can lean into the spirit and pray and let him pray through me, direct my prayers today and lead me in prayer instead of God, give me this, 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 I gotta go to work, bye. 
What, what would happen if we did that? First Corinthians 14, five, we read it already. Paul says, I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues. I'd rather have you prophesy because that encourages everybody, but I do want you to speak in tongues. You think Paul's down on it? Well, no, in verse 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. <laughs> this is important to Paul. So today, I just, I just want you to think about it and I want you to ask him maybe. Ask him to come. Ask the spirit of God to pray through you. And even for some of you, ask him to fill you up and to give you a prayer language, just like in Acts chapter two. And you're like, that's Brent, that's, that's crazy. It's really not crazy. You know what happened to me when I, when I did? I was, I was in middle school, early middle school, and I went to a camp, family camp, like picture the big tent and the sawdust on the floor and all that stuff. This woman named Sister Rachel Titus, old lady, white hair, beehive. She spoke all week and she said, on Thursday, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit and you want to speak in tongues and you haven't on Thursday morning, you will. So I talked about it with my family all that week and we researched and we looked at what the scriptures had to say and thought about it and prayed about it. And then on that morning, she called everybody up and little tiny Brent Parsley walked up to the front, kind of freaked out. And she stood there and she prayed over us and she said, okay, now she said, be filled with the Holy Spirit and ask him. And I did. And she said, now speak it out. And I spoke in tongues. Then I freaked out and cried a lot. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, whoa, wow, that was amazing. And then I kind of freaked out. And then, and then I kind of, my stepmom was there and she kind of led me back. And then I prayed in tongues. And I've done it ever since. And it has revolutionized the way that I live my life.